there's so much to unpack with this artist in front of me that we're going to have to just um, dive in. And I'm going to just try to do justice by introducing uh, my next guest with a little bit, but I'll let her introduce herself because uh, it's, it's beyond words that describe the impact I receive from her work and the emotive qualities and the layers she puts into this work. So uh, this is Trin Mai. She's a California-based visual artist who documents life in history and in present by utilizing a breadth of natural, traditional, and inherited media that holds history of their own. Her current work confronts the fear, injustice, and the devastation that has harrowed our world, our communities, and our refugee and immigrant families then and now. So recognizing the role of art to educate and heal, Trin's exhibited in support of numerous humanitarian organizations, including the Friends of Hue Foundation Children's Shelter in Vietnam and Angkor Hospital for Children in Cambodia, seeking hope within humanities consistent struggle in war, in war and in hardship. She's partnered with various organizations, including the International Rescue Committee and San Diego Art Institute in developing socially engaging projects with survivors of war from all over the world. And she is a recipient of the University of Washington's prestigious Walker Ames Fellowship and continues to visit leading academic and arts institutions to engage communities in creative storytelling and to speak about her art practice with the hope to help usher us into communal healing and with an enduring hope that will help us navigate through a devastating world. So this is just a little taste of what we're going to be coming to discuss. Uh, Trin, welcome, welcome to K2H here in Hawaii. Oh, thank you so much, Crystal. So good to be speaking with you. And so for um, our listeners out there, just to give a context to how we met virtually is through this um, arts, Asian or women's arts uh, gathering where we all were able to present our work and just learning about your work and how you approach and your process of approaching your work in forms of healing and connecting to uh, history is something I'd like to unpack. But can we start with you as a person? Because I know you've spoken a lot and very comfortably about how all the layers within your work and the material you use. But talk about you first. What do you think shaped you into um, being who you are? I, I know that's a huge question and it sounds incredibly minimalizing, but give me an idea. Um, so, uh... My parents um, definitely shaped me um, in just like who they are and just the way I was raised. My um, my mom's family is very religious, so I grew up in a faithful household. Um, my father actually grew up Buddhist. Uh, my mom grew up Catholic. Um, you know, we spent days in you know weekends in church. And my mom's family is very creative. Um, she grew up in music, more musically um, and in writing, so literature and in, in music. Um, my dad was an amazing artist. He, he was a bonsai artist, but he could draw like anything. He would help me on all my projects. And so I was just raised, and I was also a latchkey kid, so they, you know, they worked really hard. There were weeks when I wouldn't see my dad. Um, 
you know, until the weekends because he was working graveyard and like everything is about context, right? Um, you know, it's so easy to just look at what's the obvious end product and to, of course, unpack what's embedded in that work. But beyond that is what's beyond you and behind you that's kind of brought you in, in your process. And I think um, you dealing with history is exactly that, is, is bringing context to our past and, and, and how we can, uh, you know, you, you say heal. And I think there's a lot of processing with that and the ideas of wounds and, um, and death and, and those, those types of themes I feel like you explore a lot of in a very spiritual way. Yeah, the, you know, the, what I realized, so what I love about the art process is it reveals to me things that I would have never known or never come to know, like come to recognize. So um, when we talk about like what shaped me to be who I am, I think it was spending a lot of time alone, mm. right? So while my parents were working, I took the bus home by myself, took that hidden key let myself into the house and I spent time in the yard, right? Like collecting stones and just, and there's so much that needs to be documented, right? Yes. So in the documentation, in the, in the responsibility of the documentation, therein our voice comes about, right? So I'm thinking of the younger generation who have no sense of free time. Like they, there's no sense of play time in that they're gonna go and dig for dirt and and, and spend time mindlessly wandering, they'll, they'll pick up their phone or do something that they think is active, right? Not exploring with no intention behind it. Yeah, no, it used to be, it used to be that downtime or like exploration was in life. And now it's like exploration is on screen and it's, and it's curated, like many of us know, right? So it's like, there's less of an observation of the simple things. Um, and, and in those simple things, what do you discover? Okay, so in 2013, I worked on these tea bags. It's on my site. It's called Begins With Tea. Hmm. These are my grandmother's used tea bags that we drank together while we sat at the table together and while she was telling me stories. And I was like, I need to encapsulate time, this time with her. So I saved them. And um, she's like, what are you using them for? And I'm like, I don't know, but they're beautiful. Cause I would just watch her do this while she's talking to me. And then she always kept like a, one of those plastic Jaya to go container lids on top of her tea to keep it warm. Yeah, 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 I know. Sure, and I'm like, it's just so beautiful. Just like sitting there with her and just like listening to her um, just pass down this family history. And then the idea of tea itself, that it takes time and patience for it to steep and the water and the healing properties in tea, just all of that. So I started collecting them. And I didn't know what I was going to do with them. And at that time, Ken and I, so this speaks on like limitations and how they can actually be such a huge blessing. Ken and I were living in this like tiny little studio and my paintings are like <laughs> five by six feet. And I was like, oh my goodness, I have to make work. And so going back to what we were talking about earlier um, on this documentary that you're working on, it's like how 
the work that we make because we need to make it is like probably our strongest work, right? There is like this definite need. Like we have, we cannot sit still. We cannot be still or find that peace until we bring it into fruition. So I had all these tea bags and I was like, well, I can do something with this because it's like they're small. So I took family. So this is my, my cousin D the first grandchild, my grandmother's first grandchild born in Vietnam. And there's my grandma. So these are photos from our family archive and materials from her pantry. What are those? Oh, are they dry vermicelli? The right? Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So here's Mungwai, my grandmother, and her firstborn child. And those are soybean. Oh. All from her pantry. This is Bakha, my auntie. That's like brown rice. Oh, wow. I like how she's like standing on. Yeah. So, yeah. I tore out, I, I tore them open and took like, you know, I had to be really gentle with it, which I love too, because these are like precious, right? So I like tore them out. I dumped out the tea. And so um, here's my youngest auntie, Kohai, her little feet huh. kind of tiptoeing on this green tea. Yeah. So here's the green tea that was, and then here's me in Bangwai. So there's just a few of them there. So I'm working on these and I'm like stuffing them with this material and sewing them back up. And it was so meditative, just like the stitching. Right. And I ended up with like over 200 of them. Whoa. So, <laughs> yeah, I know it's crazy. I get, there's something about working in series that I love so much because it's like reading something again and again, you know, or revisiting a painting over and over. We, we can glean from it something different every time and then it just stacks on the layers yeah and that's what I want in my work I want to understand <laughs> like that's what I'm seeking I'm seeking understanding um and then and then sharing what I found so when I just make the thing because it needs to be made for my own understanding and to honor um these stories and then you know should they show somewhere then I get to share it with the public, which is like amazing, you know? So it starts with the need to make the thing. So my grandmother, Mung Wai, would be like, uh, she she started getting excited about it. Cause I, so I showed her the first one I made and she was like, which means these are, these are kind of strange, but they're good, but they're interesting. <laughs> so she had the instinct. She had the, she, she felt, there's something about this that could be potentially a very impactful project, not just for yourself, but for people trying to use art to understand their past and the connections between things, right? Um, you, you're being playful with archival material, you know, and, and your use of material. Can we talk a little bit about the, the materiality of your work? We had, obviously art is based on, you know, things you work with but there is something about the way you use like ordinary things and then how you turn that into something artistic you know the significance of that yes yeah, so a lot of the materials i use are um they they have they hold their own history so they help tell the story so the way i see it and many artists will attest to this like 
we understand hopefully that we are a channel for these things, right? Like we're not like the creators of, we are, but because uh, we make things, but also other people have made things too. And we're influenced by those things. So, you know, um, to think that I'm like, I don't know, I, I tend to, I know that I use art um, and that is the gift that I've been given and inherited and, and I'm grateful for that. But I also, I feel like first I'm a storyteller. Like I'm a, I'm a family, you know, for my family. Um, and I'm just really grateful that I get to do it. <laughs> it just, um, so for, okay, here's another example. This, these are pages of my late great aunt's prayer book. So I'm actually using, and that's my uncle who passed away during the war. He went missing actually during the escape. Wow. So um, people have asked me like, these are just copies, right? And I'm like, no, they're the real pages. Cause I, this is the thing that holds the history. It's not gonna be an image of the thing that holds the history. This, these pages have absorbed the history. So, and then the fact that it came from a prayer book, right? So my, my grandmother is one of 12 children. Four of her brothers became priests mm. and she was like, uh, and she had a family of 10 herself. And then just thinking about like the history in that, like when we think about colonialism and the French occupation and how my family, you know, they worked, they were Catholic and they helped build churches. And so how does that play into it? And is anybody willing to talk about it? Like yeah. how did four people, and then one sister who's a nun. So it's like, that's very political. Like I know that, but uh, there's many who don't quite know. And I don't know. I'm just trying to document what I know from what they tell me. Hmm. Um, I can make a lot of my own assumptions. Um, um, he's wearing this mourning band here that's traditionally worn during Vietnamese funerals. Mm. So the fact that he passed away during the war and that he's wearing this funerary, these funerary garments, and then that is my profile. So this is me looking back into the past at what I don't know. So the work is about like moving things from the unknown into the known. That's my goal. Like I'm just... I'm fiddling with all these materials that I know hold a history and I'm like beckoning <laughs> the history into present so that I can better understand like war. Like nobody really wants to talk about that. Like we're talking about some seriously traumatic instances. She lost a son. And um, so when I started doing this work that honor my family history, uh, the members would start talking more about it because it was like, that's how I show my love by making work about people. So now all of a sudden it, it, the art builds this bridge, right? It creates this trust. And like you said, it helps stitch these wounds. And then one, one of the things that I learned from this project called war wounds that are these, like, they range from like maybe eight inches to like 24 inches of gaping war wounds that are like plastered into the wall from that installation, I realized that some wounds don't heal. Some wounds heal and then they leave a scar to remind us that yes, we will, we will triumph over this. Um, but the scar reminds us either as a warning not to do it again, 
or as a reminder of like the strength to overcome these these yeah. wounds, right? And they so, turn into something else too sometimes, right? They morph into a, a, a different existence almost. I did an entire project about that called Beauty Marks and they were about scars. <laughs> and Do it was- you have any scars? I mean, physically? Cause I had three C-sections and I look and I, you know, Asian skin tends to, um, well, I don't heal well. You know, you get that, what do you call it? A keloid? Yeah, you know, and I tried to find all these products to put over it, but then it still came up big. And, you know, you think of like, I think of the stretch marks and I look at people who turn art based on stretch marks and how they're the map of your life. Um, you know, we tend to like look at things and say, okay, well, this is, this is, um, this is gross. This is a disfiguring of your body because of your childbirth, but you don't see it in a mapping or a historical archiving of your experiences that that do embed all those experiences right yeah i'm i'm working on a project where i'm stamping my husband's scars okay let's take a quick break <laughs> and let's talk about that okay? okay if you're just joining us or tuning in i'm talking to trin mai this amazing artist based in california who documents uh life um I guess, personal stories embedded in all the artwork and material that you either found or have collected um, from seemingly daily kind of quotidian um, experiences that don't mean much until you put it together and make sense of what they were meant to tell you. I find that fascinating that, you know, we're talking about processes of stories and how they become, how you again, using that word stitching together of the past through um, processes that you don't necessarily know where they're going until you're going on that path, correct? Yeah, and even then, yeah. right? They hold a significance and then you you look at it in a different space and you're like, oh, that's, there's another layer. Yeah. And then it's like the artist statements are like frightening because it's like, oh my goodness, how am I going to compact all of this information into a didactic? Yes. The framing, the politics of framing and what's left out. I have struggled with that with my documentary because it's like, oh, I found, I, I have this finished edit and I think I'm focusing on the things I want to address. And then it's like, oh crap, did I miss out a chunk of something else I should be addressing? And how is that going to reframe my story and what's going to be chosen to be left out or kept in. So you mentioned before the break, things hidden and things revealed. It's all about framing. Let's talk about that and how that affects your work. Okay, so we were talking about like scars yes. and these like emotional, spiritual, physical wounds. Yeah. So I started stamping my husband's scars. This is on his right forearm. And do you mind sharing what the wound is from? Yeah, he was, oh, Hyun. He's just lived such an interesting life. Um, he was living in a, this is, he was, um, he was a football player and was recruited to a high school in San Diego to play football. So he was raised in Bakersfield. Okay. So his, he spent one season and he didn't want to live with anybody. He wanted to live on his own. He's 17 years old. I'm like, at 17, I was like clinging to my parent. Like I didn't, it's just crazy how independent he was. Like, we're so very different. Okay. Um, just, it's amazing. So um, he lived in this motel. It's what he could afford. Um, and it was just in a really bad neighborhood. Like the person who taught him how to do laundry 
was a prostitute that was like his neighbor he lived across from addicts who he had to constantly like check in on to make sure they were like okay um very like sad situation but this is what he could afford and so he's walking home home to this hotel um and came across a homeless man that was like mentally unstable um and he stabbed him with a screwdriver (laughs) oh my gosh and uh so that's the scar this is the scar and so what I want to do is document these scars. So the portrait that you saw of Kian, this was originally, it was supposed to be a mapping of these scars. And then as I worked on it, it just shifted into these arrows and this whole mm. thing. So it ended up not being at all, but I'm still working on this. And now I'm thinking it needs to be both of our scars within one series. So um, yeah, I'm just using like a regular ink pad, uh, but isn't that a beautiful scar? So I've known this scar and, I, and it's like, yeah, it's like one of those super glossy scars because, of course, he was like, I'm not going to go to the hospital and be, be, be like billed for this. So he just left it alone and treated it and it healed. So it left this gaping, this like open scar. So I didn't even realize this until recently that the shape, because I did this interview um, where the author, uh, Hannah, um, Deardorf, she had asked me about this shape, this oval shape that comes up in my work. And I'm like, oh my goodness, thank you for showing that to me. <laughs> um, but I did this series of beauty marks mm. that's like super related. Yeah. So the scar has been like this, this, you know, thing that's been carved into my heart and mind. So these are open wounds here. So what I was just thinking about is like, um, it was inspired by my grandmother as well. She had these like aging spots, like the purple, yeah, purple spots. Yeah. And I would touch her skin and she'd be like, so would be and Bissa, like, they're so ugly. Don't touch them. And I'm like, no, they're beautiful. Like purple and pinks. Are you kidding? <laughs> so I did, I made artwork about them so that I could show her that I, truly I wasn't saying it to make her feel good about it I just really thought she and her everything about her including her scars or her her flaws were beautiful so that's why I call them beauty marks so here's some that are open there's some that are stained you know um then here's some that are stitched right uh there's Vietnamese newspaper um yeah, like fragments oh, yeah. talk about war and suffering. So the materials play a huge part in um, in the work because they tell they help tell the story. It's like uh, they and they hold the history, like we were saying. Here's some that's been. So this is this was supposed to feel like gauze over a wound, uh-huh. um, but you know what it came from is you know when you go out to a restaurant and they put the little the netting over the lemon. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what it's from. But okay. I was like, how fascinating because it's like putting lemon juice on a on a wound. <laughs> you know, it's like hmm. <laughs> like right. the pain is actually the thing that helps um, heal. Oh, yes, know. that helps heal it. It's like the thing that disinfects it. Yeah, right. makes it painful. So in our our minds will tell us this is not good, but our bodies know. <laughs> yeah right? Like science tells us that this is what we need to heal. So 
there's some of, uh, yeah, the music, the beauty marks. So thinking about like scars and the things we keep hidden, um, right? So like we see them as flaws and we want to hide them um, either for multiple reasons, right? So like maybe we feel like it's something that we're ashamed of. Um, maybe it caused too much trauma for us to relive, which I deal a lot with that in my work because it has to do with war. The current work that you see here is called um, Things Hidden. Uh, and I'm thinking about the refugees and their escape. And uh, let me grab this. And um, how so many people had to sew their personal, their like valuables into the hems of their garments to like hide them from like pirates and uh, you know, opportunists that were like hiding in the shadows. So oh, wow. Why I used that? my auntie's um, typewriter to type our stories. The idea was to, um, to hide um, these valuable things, but also to make them in a way where they would reveal it. Okay, so here's, I used, I inherited my Mamwai's um, sewing pattern for this blazer. Huh. So I used it to remake the blazer. Wow. Um, so for those of you who are just beginning sewing, do nobody not knows how to sew now. Are you kidding? I don't know one person who knows how to sew. I just learned doing this. Wow. Really? You know, Picasso said, I do the things that I cannot do so that I might learn how to do them. And this yeah. was one of the needs I need to learn how to sew because this can't be anything else but garments in my mind. Yeah. I mean, it might've been able to, but in my mind, it was only this. So here's um, this uh, envelope that was in my grandmother's collection when she was, she was throwing away these old letters. And I was like, you're throwing away history. Uh -huh. And I asked to keep them. And she was like, these are personal. No, I'm tossing them. And I, I promised her I would not read them if she let me keep them. She gave them to me. So I'm trying to find ways to share them without sharing them, which has oh. been also really fun, actually. Like, how do I share these things? Did you um, not read them then? You promised mm -hmm. her you wasn't you weren't gonna read it. Did you not read it? Yeah. No, I I haven't because wow. I promised her. Although it's interesting because what I learned is even even with the intention not to read my eyes, you know, we, we actually don't read all the words that we read. We just recognize them. Right. So it's like when I opened up, when I'm like organizing the letters and I'm opening up, my eyes would like be drawn to very specific words. So uh -huh. one of the documents that's in this envelope, look at what this document is. Wait, let me make sure I national office. What does it say? Migration and Refugee Service, 1981. Okay, so what is this document? This is this was part of her collection. It's someone's immigration paperwork. Wow, that she ripped apart. I had to, I had to tape it back together. Yeah, well, you can't really. I did a pretty good job, but like you taped it back together. Yeah, look. Wow, uh, can you see the the shimmery tape? Not, not really, really but you can describe okay. yeah well, so yeah I... but again that's right. another i see it now yeah so you taping things together is also you 
putting these pieces of the past, the fragments of the past together in the form and you're embedding it in a pocket in this very kind of um, sheer material that's also meant to hide but reveal is what you're trying yeah. to say. What do you show to suggest like we talk about silent spaces. I think that's a huge deal in, in, in both of our works is how, mm. how do you address the things that are not seen? It's, it's very vague and you're using material again to show that. Yeah. yeah, well, the material, the beauty in it is that the material, like the photos you use, like the interviews that they will tell it for you. So it takes less, it takes our, our responsibility is to curate all these materials, right? But yeah. the shift of telling of it, um, a lot of the responsibility gets shifted onto the work and the material. So then I, one of the things it does, it takes the ego out. Like now I'm collaborating with all of this, right? Like in a spiritual sense, in a physical sense, like I am collaborating. It's not necessarily like my own work, although I do put my name to it because I'm the I'm curating it, whatever. I, I you know, I'm so it's difficult to label like what it is that I'm actually doing, right? It's like I'm I'm trying to unearth these things. And as I do it, if I can just grab the material that already has the history, then it helps me do that. Mm. And so it shows, you know, like yeah. it just takes the response because it's just so much. I know. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's just so much. It's the way you create and it's what you see and, and what, what fulfills you, like you said. Let's take one more quick break and we'll come yeah. back and let's talk about um, that artwork, that Flesh My Flesh, because I think that <laughs> it's a recent project. You mentioned the wounds already. We talk about connecting to history and, and your husband is somebody very present in your life today. And we can talk about how you meld and bridge art with the presence and the past and, and feelings and everything. I'm back talking to my California-based visual artist who addresses the past and the present, weaving stories together through very interesting material and um, oftentimes just things that we seemingly think are nothing and you turn it into you, the stories speak to you from this, this these materials and I wanted to talk about you know you, you just showed us this beautiful um, translucent kind of chiffon oh it's, okay yeah it's chiffon so it's like it was sturdy enough to like hold the type from the right. typewriter um, but sheer enough to right. um, reveal images. Do you have a picture of somebody on the pocket of the oh these are the pair of pants parts yes they're men's pants Wow. These are actually, they're Hien's pants that I used to a, make right. um, the, the pattern for these okay. pants. So they're, they're Hien's pants. Um, so this is a photo of his family here. Again, and it's there like he is, like very big. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like underneath the pocket so it's like held and we think about the things that are like that we keep in our pockets yes. right so there's his family there's his father um and his mom and his brothers and his little sister and then in this pocket i actually have his father's id oh. that i that i remade wow Hien's id in the other pocket so there's him as a little boy 
And so you know, these are, there's all kinds of documents that are in these pockets. So uh, as a side job, you could be one of those illegal um, ID makers, right? You know, what's so interesting is I, well, I was really excited because I laughed at it because I'm like, the artist, who else has an excuse to make like fake IDs? Right. <laughs> and then my, my thought was to originally, these were just made for fun, just to have them. They weren't even part of this. And I even made my own resident alien. I'm not, uh, you know, like, but I made my own because I was like, I like one too, you know, just to play. <laughs> and so I kept them in my wallet. Yeah, I kept them in my wallet and then they ended up being perfect for this project. So it's like, it's so important just to like, listen to that curiosity and that need to do something, even if it's frivolous, like, why am I making a resident alien card for myself? Like, why am I making a green card? Um, because I'm adopting these stories and I feel like I'm, I, I, I need one. Um, and that speaks too on like this immigration crisis, right? So yes. it's like, it's not just the refugees and the immigrants that are going through it, who suffer through it, who have to like navigate through this plight. It's also like the people who love them, you know? <laughs> like the people who care about them, like the community that gathers around and, and tries to alleviate their immense suffering. It doesn't just affect the one person, you know, like it, um, it affects an entire community. And so I, I needed to make this because I was for myself, because it was, you know, like, it's my, it's also, um, yeah, my grieving and my my suffering. So, so Pros, um, it, it makes me think about when you talk about immigration and all the, you know, um, you know, this it's still a perpetual problem right now this country faces. And you think about the people who are risking their lives and the lives of their loved ones coming over and what they put in their pockets, so to speak, of what they're leaving, right? what can they hold with them as they journey across this very risky kind of um, path to, to even try for a hope in getting into this country. And so your work really speaks to a much larger um, issue that everyone can relate to. As I think about how much did my family lose? Mm -hmm. And so what I wanna do is bring to light, bring things to surface, the things that they were able to keep, right? right. Like let's highlight those things. Like, let's highlight the things that we kept that we brought with us, our culture, our traditions, our celebrations, our holidays. Yes. Let's keep these things alive by let's talking them about in our pockets. Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 I've got to just want to that, that makes me think about um, not just things that we need to preserve, but how through destruction come new births of things. Um, you know, I'm just thinking like historically for the Chinese, for example, you know, in San Francisco, there was that big fire that destroyed all the documents of the, um, of the Chinese, which led to this open space where they had, it gave birth to the idea of the paper sun. So people were allowed to fake documents to come in. And it's a really interesting concept because if they didn't have that deletion of their past, which was tragic in a sense, it also gave the opportunity for people to reinvent themselves. Mm, yeah. It's just really interesting to look at what's, you know, following up with your, what's hidden, what's revealed, what's destroyed, what's created. Um, you the know, things that are made out of need. 
Yeah. And yeah. but what is the need? Who defines what's needed? And like you say, what's who defines what you can fit in your pocket, you know, or put on your back as a burden for you to carry in history? You put so much on your back in your stories you tell, but it's something that you want to bring onto your life, right? Some people don't want to burden themselves with stories, so they purposely delete it from their consciousness. Most I totally understand that. <laughs> like I, I really do, uh, because you have to you have to walk through that pain, like with the people whose stories you're telling, and that is a that is a very that's a difficult feat, and that's why like compassion is. I feel like that word is just kind of thrown around. Oh, we need to be compassionate. We need to. It's like, dude, that compassion is a heavy thing. It's carrying an, a boulder on your back out of love for somebody, mm -hmm. and it's very convenient to love people. Uh, it, well, it's easy to love people when it's convenient, but when they're in their, the the height of their suffering and you sit with them and mourn yeah. with them, like that's like, yeah. And so I, I understand the people who don't want to take on that. Yeah, um, I get it. But it's like, maybe just try and see where, that, yeah. I mean, not to, you know, like try and see where that takes you. And if you cannot handle it, then you can't handle it. But maybe you're stronger than you think you are. Absolutely. And I, that brings us back to the wounds that you explore and, and the wounds on your, your husband's body and how you turn that into art and how you, you personally every day or whatever, you know, hours, the amount of time you put into focusing close up onto the art of the wound and turning it into something is, I don't think we can even just comprehend what your process would be, even if you shared that process with us. Mm -hmm. But in our short time left, can you share a little bit, having said that, is this, this incredible artwork that you've created based on these concepts of the wound and your husband's body and your, your materialism using um, found feathers and, and dirt of the earth. Tell us a little bit about this project. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to, it's called, this is Han's father. Um, this portrait was taken um, while he was a prisoner of war in the re-education camp in Vietnam. There are 17 bullet wounds that he survived. So I, that's when I first started using my tears. This is 44 by 60 inches. And I, it was just on the studio wall, like he was like just watching over me as mm -hmm. I was working and I just could not stop crying. Every time I'd look up at him, I'm like, what am I gonna do to honor you? This is, mm -hmm. why am I even taking on this task, right? Mm -hmm. um, how do I do it? Cause I had failed at multiple attempts. I tried doing all of these other projects based on this and failed at every one of them. They just didn't feel right. So um, now, how this did was, you know he had 17 bullet wounds? Because Han used to touch his scars. Wow. So he transferred that to you. So now this is a self-portrait of my husband, Han. It's a life-size portrait. He's 5'9". Um, and he's standing. Uh, the, the drawing is actually hung on the wall. And then in front of him is a mound of dirt that was collected from the fields um, upon which his family worked when they first arrived in America. So next to other neighboring families. Um, so from a certain perspective, his feet are standing on the mound, although the mound is feet in front of the drawing. But the significance of that dirt representing or actually 
Yeah, unstable ground. It's a it's a mound of unstable ground, pretty much, which is like this system that we're navigating through. Mm. Um, so around him are all these arrows that are puncturing the drawing, but right around his body. So none of them are actually afflicting him. They're they're just barely missing him. So these arrows are made of um, found objects, found branches that I've like sanded and whittled and um, treated and, you know, all kinds of, I put them in three different baths to make sure all the bugs are um, mm. taken care of. So well, like even the process, right. Borax, vinegar, wow, <laughs> like salt, it's just like so crazy. I did all this research. Um, yeah. Like on like what the indigenous peoples did. So going back to the drawing, there's yeah. a bird, there's the American goldfinch that's just perched right on top of his head. Uh-huh. And so the American goldfinch is a, um, it's a permanent resident of the United States. So um, this is the hope, right? Why did you choose the significance of the birds? Uh, Because it's, well, this is our hope. So uh, to be a permanent resident of the United States and to be recognized as American and deserving to call this country home, which we have been, (laughs) like we've, we've already, we've been calling this country home, but just that recognition and to be given the right to just live free. So here's a Vietnamese green finch, only found in Vietnam. So mm-hmm. he's he's Vietnamese Cambodian American. So there's a Vietnamese goldfinch or Vietnamese green finch, um, American goldfinch, and a silver-breasted broadbill, which is only found in Cambodia. Mm-hmm. So this bird is guiding his arms. So it's like, you know, as we move forth in this fight, we also need to do so in wisdom and in grace, right? Because it's like there's a time to speak, a time to be silent, a time to wait, a time to act. You know, there we need wisdom to fight these these systems. How would you like to just leave our audiences pondering about? I just I like to focus on these um, wounds that we have in common, right? Um, and then offer them. Mm-hmm. How do we get people to, to really understand our plight? Like, how do we do that, right? Like, we share their stories and we have to come from a personal perspective because these are things that we, as human beings, have experienced. We've all suffered loss somehow. Loss of home, loss of belongings, loss of the people we love. All of us have have experienced that somehow, loss of identity, you know, like having to, during the escape, people were changing their names. I just think if we, if we just approach these stories with the need to tell and the need to share, that'll invite people that maybe we won't, we don't necessarily want to, or people that we don't prefer to have these conversations with or people that we think won't even listen. Mm-hmm. When we tap into that like very personal emotional place, like the matters of the heart, people are more willing to, to listen. And that's how like change is made. You know, like I understand the anger, dude, like we, we live it, we grapple with this. Like how do we make meaningful work when we're so 
frustrated. Artists can't even keep up with what they want to make because there's a layer, one layer of tragedy over another layer of tragedy. And then like, there's all of this. I'm, I know I'm not the only one where I have all of this unfinished work because something else happens and it draws my attention away. Like we were talking about distraction earlier. That's the world. This is what, this is real life. You know, like there's these, there's these cracks in the sidewalk that's been caused by this like tree, you know, like rooting and it like creates this crack in the cement that's unmoving. Mm. The cement does not want to move. Mm. Right. And it starts with a seed maybe that gets nestled into that crack and then it flourishes and it grows and it breaks apart these structures that are seemingly unmoving. I've seen this happen through my own work. And it's not just my work. It's not because it's my work. It's because it's because of the power of storytelling and human emotion and human humanness. And that's what we share. And I think it's just so important to like focus on that too. I can't even express what richness you've given this conversation in your sharing of starting with the tea bags with your grandmother into all the way to your husband and how you work in the wounds into your work. And it's just, um, thank you so much. This is, if you're listening and you want to learn more about uh, Trin's work, what is your website that people can go to? It's trinmai.com. Okay. Trinmai, an incredibly beautiful person speaking deep from the heart. And I appreciate and I look forward to hearing more about your work and, and how you people like you can impact and change the world to be a better place. And it sounds cheesy, but it's just incredibly, incredibly um, powerful. And thank you for sharing. Oh, thank you, Crystal.